We're going to be over in the book of Genesis, a number of chapters in there. You can look up on the screen or turn to them as we come to them. Pastor Doug Forsberg, an associate of Bethany First Church at Nazarene, recently spoke of an experience he had while pastoring a small church in Florida. It involved a member of his church, an older gentleman by the name of Benny. said, now Benny was about 99 to 100 years old, and he lived in a local nursing home. One day, while in the midst of his usual duties, Pastor Doug got a call from Benny out of the nursing home. Benny called up and said, hurry, hurry, Pastor Doug, I've got to see you right now. It's important. Please hurry. Pastor Doug, knowing Benny's age, feared the worst, so he dropped everything and ran out to the nursing home to see what the emergency Benny was facing. When he arrived, Pastor Doug asked Benny, well, Benny, what's the emergency? What's so important? Benny looked up at the pastor and replied, Pastor Doug, I'm going to get married. And I've called you out because I want you to perform the ceremony. <laughs> Pastor Doug was kind of taken back and he said, um, okay, but first tell me about this woman. Benny replied, okay. Is she a Christian? He said, no. And he said, Pastor Doug said, all right. Is she beautiful? He said, no. So Pastor Doug was, uh, well, okay. Now I'm just asking to ask, not implying too much, but Benny, is she rich? Benny said, nope. Pastor Doug was really taken back, so finally he asked, Benny, why on earth do you want to marry this woman? So Benny looked him right in the eye and grinned, because she can drive at night. <laughs> Sometimes our associations with people are not always for the best reasons. <laughs> but one thing we're going to look at in the Word here today is that our associations are extremely important. And some of them can bring you into great places of not only prosperity, blessings, um, knowledge of the word, influence, all sorts of things. Last week we took a look at Jehu and we saw that his zeal was not enough to reap a harvest that was waiting for him because he didn't stay zealous for the word of God. He stayed zealous for the call. He stayed zealous for many other things, but he didn't say stay zealous for the word of God. Today we told you that there was an individual who had gained a whole lot of things and over a period of time lost them, got them back, and then lost them all again. Anybody figure out who that was? You'll see him over here in Genesis chapter. We're going to read in verse 11 first. This is just something quick. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. Lot and Abraham are in the same family. Lot is Abraham's nephew. In verse 1 of chapter 12, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and they had gathered, and the people whom they acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan, so they came to the land of Canaan. Now, of course, Abram came from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, not from the land of Haran, but he stopped over in Haran on his way over to Canaan and parked there for a while, and then his father died in Haran, and then uh, God gave him the command again, and he picked up and he moved on, but he took Lot with him. And all their stuff. Now, Lot started out with uh, 
probably very little, but by the time we come on the scene, he has some stuff. And before long, he's going to have a lot of stuff. He has it simply because of his association with Abraham. We put in your outline that increase can come because of association. Some of the associations we have can bring about increase in our life. God's blessings were upon Abraham because, and I put a couple, it's almost like a multiple choice here, because God liked him better. I may think that might be it. Uh, drew names out of a hat in heaven, and Abram's name came up. <laughs> uh, sent the blessings, and they found Abraham. Well, sometimes we think things along these lines. You know, why did God pick Abraham? Well, the Word of God tells us he was obedient, and he would teach his children. And that's why he was, he was selected, and God gave the, the opportunity to him. Now, here's the thing. We don't necessarily know if there was anybody before Abraham that he selected. Maybe Abraham was the first one. Maybe he was the second. We don't know. All we know is that Abraham got the opportunity and took it. We've seen other people in the Word of God who had an opportunity to be a blessing, and they didn't take it. But Abram did. Verse 1 of chapter 13. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar where he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their passions or possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is, it not, the whole, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord. Like the garden of the Lord. He looked up. You know, sometimes what we see with our eyes tends to uh, influence us. The Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So he had selected this particular place to go because he looked at his eyes, looked up at his eyes, and he saw, hmm, this looks really good. I heard someone mention in a, in a podcast I was listening to, it made me think on this, about how many decisions we make based on money. In fact, money is, tends, tends to be our greatest influence in life. And when you think about it, there's a, there tends to be quite a bit. People will change jobs because the new job... What? Offers them more money. Right? People will buy a house because they get one for less money. People will move into a neighborhood because it's more affordable. People will pick a school because it costs less than another school. People will buy groceries based on what costs less. Right? People will go to a restaurant because this one costs less than the other one does. Too many times, folks, money makes our decisions for us. 
What was one of the main major factors in the last car you bought? <laughs> it cost. <laughs> we let cost dictate a whole lot of our decisions. We let money dictate much of it. It's not so much which one is God leading you to. Because sometimes God may lead you to buy the more expensive house because he knows what's down the road. He knows this is a better neighborhood. He knows this is uh, where you have better influence. He has a call for you in this particular neighborhood. But sometimes we get caught up, well, this house is going to cost me $25,000 more than the house over here. Why would I do that? There's no, there's no other difference. And we take that. How many times have you been led to buy gas at a gas station, even though it is inconvenient to get to, simply because you will save five cents a gallon? <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, we'll do that, won't we? <laughs> now, my, my vehicle... Five cents a gallon impacts it more than yours probably does. If I have mine close to empty, I can put 30 gallons into my tank. So, you know, 30 gallons times a nickel, how much is that? How much? 30, 30, 30 gallons times a nickel. Buck 50. And we will miss God for less than that. Ain't that amazing? Come on, you, your, your, your car doesn't hold 30 gallons, does it? All right, Keith does. <laughs> Keith holds 30 gallons. Most of the lyrics out 15, 20. I remember the days I had a 15-gallon tank. You could almost show up at the gas, gas tank by mistake and just fill up. <laughs> it, it, takes, it takes a little bit of doing. to. to but you, we'll, we'll do this. We'll steer. We'll go into a hold. We'll cross intersections at risk of crashing. To save five cents a gallon, which for most of us totals up to about 50 cents, 75 cents. Your deductible is more than that. Why, why do we let this influence us so much? If God told you, all right, you always buy your groceries over here at this particular place, but I want you to go over here. Oh, but they cost more. Would you do it? If you bought your morning coffee over at this place and God says, I want you to buy your morning coffee over here, would you do it? Or would the, well, they, call, they charge more for their coffee. Would that influence you too much? We let the price of things influence us too greatly. If you had a job and it offered you $10,000 more a year, you still need to go to prayer and say, God, should I do this job? We should not be led by the dollar. We need to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit may even have you take a job that makes less money because He knows down the road you're going to get more money. It doesn't mean that just because a job offers you more money, it's the bad job. <laughs> don't, don't go that way either. But see, this is what Lot did. He looked, he looked up, lifted his eyes, and he saw something that looked really good. Because of what he saw, he let that lead him into a very bad decision. A very bad decision. Now, we've look, we know one decision he made here that was very bad, but there's also another one he made. We saw that he went over to the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were sinners. And he eventually began to live in, this, in the city of Sodom. And it wasn't uh, very good for him there. But what he forgot about was, the reason I had become blessed is because I am associated with Abraham. And he let that association be severed because there was a problem between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. How many think Lot should have said something to Abraham like, is that the only solution? 
Is there another way that maybe we can make this work? I'll tell you what, I'll get rid of some. I'll sell off some herds. I'll sell off some livestock. Will that make it easier? Pocket the money, still have the herds, and keep on increasing. Wouldn't that have been a better decision? But he didn't do that. He looked up, he saw, I can have all the lush plains of the Jordan for my graden area. Oh, this is good. No more competition. And he decided to go ahead and take it. Here was their problem. They had too much blessing. <laughs> How many want to have that kind of a problem? <laughs> too much blessing. I have too many herds. You have too many herds. This is a problem. We can't all coexist here together. The solution was separation. And the attraction for him was I can have all this stuff for myself. Genesis chapter 14, verse 11. Your whole chapter here will talk about this battle, but then they took all the, this is the, the kings had come on down into the plain and they had uh, gone after a number of cities, but in the group of them, they also came against Sodom and Gomorrah. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their possessions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Everything that Lot has, which was when he was with Abraham, how much was it? It was too much. It was a lot of stuff, too much to be able to be with Abraham. So they had a lot of stuff. And so these guys came on down and they took Lot, all his people, all his stuff. He lost it all, every bit of it. How many know this is not a good thing? Verse 14, now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 300 men, 18 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is Damascus, north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother, Lot, and his goods, as well as the women and the people. Brought it all back. Took his uh, trained soldiers, <laughs> servants, <laughs> just servants, and he went after them. How many of you know you're not being led by uh, what looks good there? Because it sure didn't look like it was a good battle for him. But he, he got Lot back. He got Lot's, all his people. He got all his stuff. Lot was once again restored with everything that he had. What do you think a good decision at this point would have been for Lot? You know, it was a bad move for me to get away from you. Would you mind if we joined up again? Would you mind if we came alongside? Whatever I need to do to have your herdsmen get along with my herdsmen, I'll replace my herdsmen if you want. We'll get rid of my herdsmen completely. I'll just take my fox and we'll just merge them all together. What, what, what is it that we can do that I can stay with you? Because he probably has not been blessed as good as he was before. But he didn't do that. What did he do? Took his stuff and he said, thanks. Went on back. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. about his himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn in to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, strongly that they turned into him and entered his house, that he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now he's over here at the gate. If you're over here at the gate, there's one thing notable about it. You are not hiding. This is where everybody comes in and out. He apparently is not persecuted from the folks there to the extent that he wants to hide from them? How many of y'all know that if you have been real vo boisterous for the things of God, you don't always want to be where all the people are that are going against it? Because every time they come by, they're in masses, they want to 
mess with you a little bit. Well, they didn't, he's sitting there right by the gate. Doesn't really tell us all that he did by the gate, but he's over there by the gate. Now, when he was with Abraham, what was he doing during the daytime? Taking care of herds. Taking care of flocks. Taking care of stuff. Doing inventory. He had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of herdsmen. He had a lot of things to do. Now, was, now what does he have to do? He's sitting by the gate. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, and all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called the lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Now, some translations have messed that verse up, but that's actually what it says. Some translations have taken all that right out of it. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Sodom and Gomorrah had gotten into such uh, blatant sin and idolatry that this type of sexual behavior was normal. This was not their only sin. Sometimes we think they were destroyed for this sin. They fell into this because... They had gotten into so many other sins that it just, just, just seemed normal. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind them. Which, do we skip over a verse? We did stop? All right, go back to six. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind them, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. As perverted as Lot has become in this place, he would rather protect the strangers that came to the house than his own daughters. That is not good. And they said to him, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to, to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the men Lot and came near to break down the door. So initially he was not in the city because he had all those flocks and stuff, but it, I guess the next... Uh, eventually, he began to sell off some of the flocks and he bought property inside the city. Property inside the city is generally more expensive than property outside the city. So all that he has is now inside the city. And apparently he had said some things about their behavior before. But uh, they would talk to him about being a judge and he would shut up. People are always going to say that you're judging them. People in the world will always come out and say, you know, you shouldn't judge. God says don't judge. No, that's not what God says. God says don't judge people's motives. You don't, you don't know the motives. Actions, you can judge. You had a guy who stood right in front of you in line at the bank, and he said to the teller, give me all the money, pointed a gun at them. You can pretty much judge they're robbing the bank. <laughs> That's not a hard judgment to make. You see the gun. You hear the request. You see the fear on the teller. You pretty much know this person's robbing the bank. You make that judgment. I think that's an okay judgment to make. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know why he's robbing the bank, but I know he's robbing the bank. <laughs> so we don't, we don't always know the motive of why people are doing some things. And uh, we can't necessarily judge that. That's where we get into trouble. I know why you did that. You did that because you hate me. You, know, you don't know that. But the men, that's the angels, reached out their hands, pulled light into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. I don't know, if I got struck with blindness as I'm surrounding a house, I'm kind of thinking, I think I ought to go home. No longer trying to find the door where the men are. I think we ought to just try and go home. But uh, that's not what these guys did. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, or whoever you have in the city? 
Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place because of the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to it, to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his what? Hmm. That's interesting. The way that he described his daughters before. Who had married his daughters. Didn't necessarily just say betrothed. It did say married. And said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, imagine that. Angels show up, they strike these guys with blindness, they pulled your neck out of the fire the night before. They told you, we're here to destroy the place. We are angels. We're going to destroy the place. Now, whoever you got, get them out. And he lingered. He lingered. It's like being in a burning building, the fire alarms are going off, and you're lingering. <laughs> Don't you hear the alarms? Don't you hear the stuff going on? Yeah, but, you know, I just kind of just get another look around, see how things are before I have to leave. I don't know why he, he, he's hanging around. Is he trying to take some of the stuff that he's got? Everything he has now in this, is in this city. Once it's destroyed, he's got nothing. Second time we'll have nothing. While he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of the two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him. <laughs> and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So they said, look, you're, you're going to come with us. And angels grabbed your hand and they start pulling you. I guess you go. <laughs> you got two angels, you got four hands. So they grabbed the four people and they went. So it came to pass when they brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. And Lot said, Please know, my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also in that I will not overthrow this city for what you have spoken. Apparently, he did a little better job bargaining for this city than uh, Abraham did for Sodom and Gomorrah. Because this sounds like the city was in the line of fire. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar, and the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord, out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So he left with four, got there with three. They had two sons-in-laws, so they had actually uh, uh, more than that there, but they didn't all make it out. Left with four, should have left with six, ended up with three. And that's all that they had. So now Lot has Nothing. 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 He lost it all. Mm -hmm. His association with Abraham, he became rich beyond measure. So much so that there was, there was too much of his stuff to coexist with all of Abraham's stuff. And they had to split apart. And he lost it all. And then Abraham got it back from. Who got it back from? Yeah. The guy that he had the association with that brought him great blessing. He should have stayed, should have realized, I need to stay. But he didn't. 
he went on back to where he was, and then he lost everything. This association was very beneficial for Lot. Abraham is going to be blessed no matter what, but it was very beneficial for Lot. Sometimes in the area of increase, the things that God wants to do for us to increase us, the associations we have are extremely important. We need to understand what am I associated with? Where am I associated with? Uh, you know, the, how many of y'all know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins? So that we are sin free, right? And that doesn't mean that we don't sin. We've messed up. We, we can sin. But thank God, we come back to the cross, we get cleaned up, and we go on. We're sin free. What else did he die on the cross for? Sickness and disease. Sickness and disease was put on him. Isaiah 53 talks about that, that that was put upon him. And since the sickness and disease was put upon him, we're not supposed to have to bear that ourselves. But just like, sick, just like sin still resides, there's still some people that are sick. Paul even wrote about it. This is why some of you are weak and sick and go home early. There's another thing he died on the cross for that said was put on, on him. Beside the, uh, the, the curse of the law was put on him, the, the curse of our sin, sickness and disease. There's one other thing that was put upon him. He became poor so that we might be barely get along. No, so that we might be. He became poor for us. So the same way that we, we, we get associated with Jesus Christ, we get associated with his righteousness, we get associated with his healing, we get associated with his financial condition. And that's what he wants to bring us into. That association is important. We've got to keep that association going. How many of y'all know we need that association? As soon as we start getting away from that, we start moving away from the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We start getting involved with sin. As soon as we start getting away from that, we start hearing what other people have to say about sickness and disease, and we start falling prey to it as well. Jesus Christ came on this earth to do the will of the Father, the will of the Father. Every time that he ran into a sick person, and that sick person asked him for a healing, what did he do? Well, let me check on that. And we just see what, uh, what the Lord says about that. No, every, the, they would bring masses of people to him, and the word constantly would say this, and he healed all. Healed all of them. A whole bunch. Sometimes in our associations, we get ourselves associated with the wrong kind of teaching, the wrong kind of word. And we begin to fall from what we had heard before. There are people that want to go around and they'll, they'll teach, well, you know what, you can't be sin-free. I don't know, the Word of God told us to be perfect as I am perfect. John says, I write these things to you that you do not sin. It, ha it has to be possible for us to get to a place to not sin. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't write it. We've got to get our association with Jesus Christ. We've got to get associated with people who influence us in that direction. We've got to get people around us that keep us influenced in the area of healing. Because uh, uh, you know, we've heard people before mention they were uh, sick, dying, and other people would come along and says, oh, don't worry, it'll all be over soon. How many of that kind of association doesn't help you out? <laughs> That's not getting you to where you need to be. No, we want to get associated with people who know what the Word of God has to say and will teach us what the Word of God has to say, not what people have to say. I want to give you a couple other examples here. In Genesis chapter 39, and uh, we're just going to read a couple of verses out of these <clears throat> so you can see that this principle is in other places as well. You can read the whole chapters and get them the whole story there. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a 
he was a successful man. And he was in the house of the master, the Egyptian. How many times is a servant described as a successful man? Have you ever heard that terminology used for one who was a slave? That they were a successful man? And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Everything that Joseph did, the Lord made to prosper in his hand. Who made it prosper? The Lord. The Lord. So Joseph is associated with the Lord. Joseph is associated with the principles of the Lord. And Potiphar is associated with Joseph. It's not the other way around. Joseph is not associated with Potiphar. Potiphar is associated with Joseph. And there is a difference. And because of it, the Lord brought a great blessing into the there. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Does God want to bless the Egyptian's house? No, but he will for Joseph's sake. The Egyptian's not serving God, but Joseph is. So it was from that time from the time he had made him overseer of his house. Very specific. He was going along okay, but as soon as he made that decision and he put the house under Joseph's care, he can go back. You know what? It changed then. My house began to increase. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. How many of you work for companies that do not serve God? <laughs> yeah. Do you know that the Lord will bless Amen. the company Amen. you work for because Amen. you are associated with it? Yes, Lord. They will bless that company. Why? Because if the company is blessed, you can get blessed. And you need to know it and declare it. You need to say some things. And say, whatever you put in my hand, the Lord will bless. Well, what if it doesn't happen? Dear Lord, folks, get hold of this thing. This is what the Word of God is telling you. Here's your example, Joseph. Joseph is an example. Everything that Potiphar put into his hand, the Lord blessed it. The Lord blessed it. Abraham, everything he was in his possession, the Lord blessed it. Lot, just hanging out with Abraham, the Lord blessed it. Amen. Good, good things came about for that thing just because they were there. Here's another one. 2 Chronicles chapter 24. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. We don't usually have that with tacked on to people. Usually they either did what was right all the days of their life, or they did not do what was right all the days of their life. But this is the guy we have out there who has said he did all that he should do all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. Now it happened after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. If you go through the rest of the story, you'll find out that Joash was so set on this, he was set on it more than his mentors were. Jehoiada was not even into this as much as he was. He had to call Jehoiada in on a meeting and say, Jehoiada, what's going on? Why is this not being done? And he had to light a fire under Jehoiada. He had, when the Word of God says that Joash set his heart to do this, Joash set his heart to do it. It was not Jehoiada through Joash. 
Joash said it's hard to do that. Because of the influence Jehoiada was over him, he was moved to do the things of God. Because of Jehoiada. As long as he kept Jehoiada in his life, as long as Jehoiada was around, good things happened. He pursued good things. And jump on down to verse 14. Now, when they finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. They made it articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving, offering spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. But Jehoiada grew old. It was full of days. And he died. He was 130 years old when he died. That's old. <laughs> and they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel. So this is a guy who was not a king, but he was buried among the kings because he was so influential in regard to the kings. Because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord God their fathers and served wooden images and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespasses. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. Joash first listened to Jehoiada. When Jehoiada died, other people came in and he listened to them. When he began to listen to these other people, prophets came in the same words that Jehoiada would say, and he did not listen to them. You get the wrong associations going on, you will cut off the blessings of God in your life. You will cut off God being able to do the things that he wants to do in your life. Because the right people are not helping you, not influencing you, not doing the things. Association is very important in the Word of God as far as prosperity. We need to have people in our life that speak the Word of God, that exhort us on the Word of God, that teach us the Word of God so that we continually have the Word of God in front of us to help us make these decisions, that it is light to us. Not people that go around telling us all the things to do. That's not what the Word of God wants to do. We want to have that light come up on the inside of us to, to do that. We need to have some people around that associate with us that when we get off, they can snap us around. They can speak to us and say, hey, get back on again. <laughs> Quit that. Get going. And you, you need to have that. You need to have people in your life that will, that will do that. You know, there, there, there are some folks in your life that sometimes they come and go, and, but there, there are some people, they can tell when you're starting to to get off a little bit, and they get on in there, and they just, they speak at you. You know, I had some, I learned some things about this just in working out, going out to a gym and working out. I got a hold of a buddy of mine, and this buddy, he was good at working, helping people to work out. And so we would, uh, we would sit there, and we, he would take me through all the things, and he would show me the right way to do, how many of y'all know there's a right way to do an exercise, and there is a wrong way? Well, there's more wrong ways than there are right ways. There's one right way, and there's a whole lot of wrong ways. If you do it the right way, you get the benefit. But you can do it the wrong way and get it done. If you're going to show up at the gym, you're going to lift weights, you may as well do it the right way and get the benefit of it. So your posture's got to be a certain way. You've got to be lifting with the right muscles because the one thing your body likes to do is the same thing that we like to do, our flesh likes to do. body likes to cheat. And he would tell me about this. Your body wants to cheat. When it gets in there, instead of you do, if you're doing a muscle and you're working your arms and your shoulders, your, bo your body wants to get your back into it. And so you're, but it'll change your posture in the exercise so that you're not 
just using your arms and your shoulders. You're now using your back, your arms, and your shoulders. <laughs> it's not quite... Now, you're getting it done. And, you know, sometimes, you know, he, he would go away from me, and I would uh, be on my own for a couple of weeks, and then he'd come on back and see how I'm doing. And, oh, Steve, you're cheating. You're cheating. You're just, you're doing it all wrong. You're going over here. You're doing things like that. And, uh, and he would uh, exhort me on that, and he would uh, correct me and stay there with me and force me to do it right. And, you know, I got up to where I was doing 130 pounds or something like that, and now all of a sudden I'm doing 90. I feel like a weakling. Can't do as much that way. No, because you're not using, you're, you're using these muscles. These are the ones you're trying to target. You're trying to do, do now there's some exercises that were, that were tougher to cheat on. He's the one who got me to, to uh, learn about inverted sit-ups. Anybody like inverted sit-ups? I grew to love inverted sit-ups. Inverted sit-ups, you cannot cheat. I have not found a way to cheat on inverted sit-ups. You just kind of hang upside down and you do the sit-ups that way. And then he got me to hang upside down. We were doing weights. I was doing 50 pounds inverted sit-ups. And uh, I would do that, then I would do 25, and I'd step on down. I did a lot of ab work, and uh, that was just one. The other ones you could cheat on, that one you could not cheat on. You're hanging upside down. There's nothing to cheat with. Oh, it was a fun exercise. I, didn't, I enjoyed it. I haven't done them for a while. But your body likes to cheat, and you need somebody who's going to come along and help you to stay, to stay the right way and to do the right thing and kick you in the pants. Hey, stop doing it that way. Do it this way and, and keep you going. Because if you don't, you get off on the thing. So we've got to have people that, that help us out, that, that move us along, that light a fire under us to, to get us going. I'll tell you what, it helps out a whole lot with exercising when you, when you do that. I know when we were in cross country, and we, had, you know, we only had um, uh, 10 guys on the team about, but when you got together with 10 guys and you went out running, it took on a whole different thing. Than when, the only time I ever, in my life I ever had that was at college. After that, every time I ran, pretty much was running solo. You know, you run by yourself. You go out by yourself, come back by yourself. That's about it. And uh, they don't have the same thing going on. We need to have people around that can, can kick us. These kind of associations are very important. You're going to have some Jehoidas who speak into your life. You're going to have some people that come along and, and help you. Because staying in the area to be blessed by God is not easy. The enemy wants to pull those blessings from you. The enemy wants to keep you from sowing. He wants to keep you from harvesting. He wants to keep you from doing what the Word of God says. And when you start getting words of discouragement coming out of your mouth, you need to have someone in your life who's going to come along and say, hey, what's that you're saying? Come on, get, get over here. Speak about this. What's the dream? What's the goal? Where are you going? What are you going to do? What's the Word say? Is that what the Word says? Does the Word say you're defeated? Does the Word say you're, it's not going to work? I, I lost that part. Where was that in the Bible? Can you show that to me? <laughs> and they'll get on you. And they'll, they'll light a fire under you. And you know, some people can do that for you better than others. Make sure you have them in your life. Make sure you have those folks around that they can speak to you that way. Because these kind of associations will help us. The people that influence our lives. We need to have people in our lives that are going to influence us toward the Word of God. Because you will have plenty of people who will do vice versa. It does not mean that every place that you work does not mean that every place that you're associated with has to have 100% Christians. Daniel was in a place where there were not many Christians around. Most of them were idolaters. But he became an influencer of them. And the blessings of God came on. Everything that Daniel did, what had happened to it? Now, it was done well. It was, there was no blame. There was no fault found in him. He did it very, very well. We need 
to have people that are going to help us with that. Your associations. You've got to have people that are going to associate with you that will encourage you in the Word of God, that will explain the Word, teach you the Word of God. Get the Word of God always before your face. You've got to have people in your life that are going to exhort you to have that relationship going on with God, hearing the things of God, going over the things, not getting these uh, false things in there. People who uh, get around you and they're just discouraging you just to, from the things of God, from going after God, be careful having those people too close in your life. Because they can, they can uh, do the wrong thing for you. Put this in your outline here at the end. The blessings of God follow us wherever we go. The blessings of God follow us wherever we go as long as the light of God's word remains the influence. You keep the light of the word of God, the influence, you keep that as the main thing in your life as what you're going to do. The blessings of God will follow you wherever you go. Whatever boss you have, no matter how much of a scoundrel that boss is, the Word of God will follow you and will be a light wherever you go. Joseph went into the prison, and the same blessings followed him into the prison. He then became king of the land, or the second in command of the land, and once again, the blessings of God followed in what he did. There are other people in the Word of God you can find out with this association that, that helped Barnabas. When he was associated with Paul, he first off, that association helped Paul and brought him up. And then it, it, the two made a great team. When Barnabas parted from, from uh, Paul, we don't hear about him too much more in the book of Acts. He did go out and do some more things, but it, he, he lost some of that. But then an, another, peop, another person came up. Timothy came up. Titus came up. Silas came up. And we see that they became something in the body of Christ because of their association with Paul. The 12 disciples. Why do we know about them? Because of their association with Jesus. Associations are huge. They are huge. Who we associate with. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody that you're going to get is going to be a Christian. Please don't, don't take it to that degree. But have those strong Christians in your life that are going to push you in the direction of living life sin-free, of living life healthy and whole, the way God called us to be, of living life in the blessing lane. Because that's what God called us to be. He called us to be a blessing. He wants others to be blessed through us. In order for others to be blessed through us, what do we first have to be? Blessed. We have to first be blessed. I can't be a blessing until I have first been blessed. And then I can go out and be a blessing. Pursue the blessings of God. The Word of God. Jesus even told us one time that the blessings will come with persecutions. And persecutions will come. It's all right. You've got people around that will help you out. Associations are important. What kind of things are we associated with? What kind of things do we listen to? What kind of things are we pursuing? What kind of things are we going? Just had this conversation. Uh, we, I, I had heard this. I'm still trying to get this message to bring it in here for a Wednesday night because uh, she just did such a wonderful job with it. But uh, Terry Savelle Foy, she, if you ever get her message on... Um, uh, I can't even think of the title that she, she had put on it. But in, the, in this lesson, she was talking about the difference between when you write a vision down and when you don't. And she actually had the stats in there, and I can't think of what the stats are. But the stats are, are astounding. To the people who took their vision and wrote it down, they made a lot more money than the people who had a vision but never wrote it down. And those people who had vision but didn't write it down made a lot more money than those people who didn't have any vision at all. 
but the biggest ones. And it's a huge, huge jump. Just having the vision and not writing it down did not produce the same thing in people's lives that it did when you had the vision and you wrote it down. Write those boards. We had uh, uh, Chelsea was telling us about that board she put up in her house. I'm sure other people have done it as well. You wrote it down, you put it up there. Write it down and put it up. What are you going for? Then get people around you that are going to exhort you to go after those blessings, to go after those things. This is the goals. These are the things that God has called you to. This is what God has said I want you to do. I want you to accomplish. Have them written down. Go after them. What is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to pursue? We've got to have those things down. We've got to know what they are. And God will help you out. Oh, I'll tell you what, God will help you out. He wants you to be a blessing, which means God has associations out there. God has people of influence out there that are ready to help us accomplish these things. You may not have found them. You may not have pursued him as to where they are. But God has them. And we've got to go out there and find them. Keith Moore talks about many times the things that are going on in his life and the reason for it is association and his time helping Brother Hagin. Huge, huge. Jerry Savell talks about his association with Brother Copeland, how that helped him. Other people have talked about other associations. They, they help. These associations are important. Get associated, though, with the, with the Word, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. Get associated with some people that are following after him that will keep you going in the right direction because it is important. And don't allow separation. Don't allow it to become separated from those things that God has put in your life that are bringing you into the right spot. God will help you out with that. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the good help that you have given us. You have put around us associations. You have put around us influences. You've given us an example of Lot someone who was brought to a place of great abundance and lost it two times and didn't learn why it came. But Father, we can learn from his life why it came. We can look at the folks like Joseph and Joash and others in the Word of God and see why those blessings came. We can make sure that we keep our life under the influence of the Word of God and the people around us that will help us to do that. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.